This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Converge. Hey, got a request for you. Can everybody stand up for a minute? I know you've already been sitting. Well, just stay standing then. You don't have to sit and then stand. All right, here's, here's what we'd love to have happen. Because we've moved, Matt, Matt's going to teach for us today. We've moved him down to the floor. He would love to have people closer. So if you can, then, and there's a table in front of you that's open, then can you just slide down to the front? Or if you're less than half full, maybe combine tables. It's just way better for discussion. And I like to keep Matt happy. So then it's helpful for me too. Guys, we're glad that you're here. If you haven't been here in a long time, uh, and, or this is your first time, I'm Dave. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Heritage, and I love working with uh, with Converge and the team that we have here, so I'm super glad that you're here. Plus, you guys have such a great attitude when I ask you to move forward. This is just fantastic. There's a table right over here, guys, if you are looking for where to go, or there's space up here. Welcome, and we are glad that you're here. Summertime has brought extra room for us, and uh, there, for that reason, we want to we want to try to get people together to keep the conversation flowing. I got a couple of announcements for you that I want to um, let you know about. The first one is that as we go through the summer, there will likely be some things that just come up that we want to do with a bonfire at this person's house or a hike at uh, on this particular day. Or, I don't know, a pool that gets open for everybody to come to or something like that. Okay, and so because those are able to be a little more spontaneous during the summer, we want you guys to be able to keep up with it. And the way that we do that the best is, if, is through our text message announcements. And that, uh, you've heard us talk about it if you've been around, but if you've never gotten linked up with it, all you have to do is text at HB Converge. HB Converge, Heritage Baptist Converge, not an extra C there. HB Converge to 81010, and that's how we send out a lot of information. So as um, small groups may choose to meet at different times or may not meet for the summer, we want to keep you updated weekly what's going on there. Also, if, uh, if you want to catch up on anything that's been going on in Converge, we've got a podcast that Seth has told me has just even 17 episodes of just this series, or this is the 17th episode of this series. So Seth does a great job of keeping all of our uh, all of our gatherings loaded up on Spotify. And if you want to track with us, then you can do that. Or if you travel some this summer and you just want to keep up with what's going on, then you can check out the podcast. Anything else going around uh, going on around Heritage can be found on the Heritage Hub, which is at hbclinchburg.com slash the hub, or hub, not the hub. And you can find uh, all the stuff going on there. One of the things in particular that's a, that's a big need right now, if you're, if you're looking at the summer with a little more flexibility in your life and, and maybe a desire to, to try out some different areas of serving, um, there are several um, specific needs for child care uh, help in the in this summer. So that can be on... Um, Sunday mornings. It can also be Wednesday night. And then I mentioned last week, and, and it's still uh, a need, is on Tuesday night for our Celebrate Recovery group uh, to have some child care also through the summer. So if you're interested in any of that, you can find um, the child care options on the hub. If you are interested in the Tuesday night 
Accelerate Recovery Group, then you can contact me um, personally. So there's there's some of the info from uh, from Chelsea Barnwell, who leads that volunteer rallying team that we have for nursery and child care workers. Now, brand new announcement for today for ladies. Larissa Forrest, Bobby and Larissa are not here today, okay? But Larissa sent a text message that said she would love to host a women's Bible study this summer. And she's gonna, it's gonna be through Jen Wilkins' study called Abide. It goes through first, second, and third John. And she would love to have anybody that is interested in joining her in that study to meet at her house for the discussion time on Tuesday nights from 6.30 to 8.30. You can text her directly if you want to get linked up with that and find out um, about resources or where, you know, how to get started on it. Her phone number is right here. And you can either take a picture of that or um, we can actually connect you with a text message later today. Josh, would you be able to do that? Um, to get uh, you connected with her. But she uh, wanted you guys to know about it so that you could get uh, some plans to be there. I'm sure it's flexible. Like if you're going to travel a week or two through the summer, you can come and go as you need to. But, uh, but it's going to start a week from Tuesday on May the 30th, 630 to 830 at the forest house. You guys have any announcements? Anything you want to share? BBS. BBS is coming. Yep, still still probably some ways to get involved if you want to. It's the first week of June. Well, the first full week of June, 5th through the 9th um, of June. And big time, we're going to turn Heritage Baptist Church into a Jerusalem marketplace. Costumes and everything. <laughs> Uh, if you, yeah, if you want to get involved, I'm sure there are still ways to be able to do that. Anything else? This is a season for weddings. Yesterday, I think a couple of our couples got got married yesterday. Uh, Noah and Shay, and Christopher and Natalie. Uh, Christopher and Natalie are here. Noah and Shay, far away in Florida, but nonetheless, parts of our group that have gotten married off. Never to be seen and converge again. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll come back. <laughs> Alright. Well guys, let me pray for us and then um, I'm going to invite Matt to come on up. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here uh, with your people today. People that love you. People that want to serve you. That people that even in their brokenness, they long to um, consistently be uh, made right made new in you as we confess, as we see the consequence of sin, Father, we understand that our offense to you is great, but that your grace is even greater. So as we talked last week about confession, and this week we'll talk about consequences of sin, Father, I pray that it would drive us to our knees before you to be made right on a regular basis by confession so that you can consistently make us new. Father, for the things that are heavy on our hearts, I pray that you would be at work. I pray that you would be at work in us to bring peace and hope in who you are, and that you would be at work in the situations that we're concerned about so we can see um, your magnificent work on our behalf. Lord, I pray now that as we look into your word, that you would change us where we need to be changed, encourage us, 
build us up, convict us, and may we be more like Jesus because we've been here today. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay. <laughs> you obviously are mistaking me for someone else. Okay. Um, thanks for moving the... Is this way loud? It feels way loud. Okay. Um, thanks for moving the tables and gathering here because there's something I need you guys to do uh, before we kind of get started this morning. Um, Y'all are familiar with the, the concept of cause and effect. If there's, there, there's an event that, that occurs or you know, event or, or an action produces an outcome or a result. There's cause and effect, right? So as I was thinking about this, y'all are all of the, the generation. Um, you remember the book when you were a kid, uh, when you give a mouse a cookie? How, how, many, how many could probably recite it word for word today? So. You remember, you remember how it goes. If you give him out the cookie, he's gonna wanna buy some milk, and then he's gonna wanna, yeah, he's gonna want a straw, and then of course, if he has a straw and he drinks milk, then he's gonna need a, a napkin. Yeah, Cheryl. <laughs> then he needs a mirror, you know, to make sure he's good. Then he's got to give himself a, you know, a haircut, you know, so he needs scissors, and there he goes, goes on and on and on, and finally, of course, he's he's hanging this picture on the refrigerator that he drew and then he remembers he's thirsty so he needs a glass of milk and what do you got to have when you have a glass of milk? Got to have a cookie. So you start the whole thing back over again. So cause and effect, you know, each thing brings on another, brings on another thing. And it, you know, it, comes, it comes full circle. So what I wanted to get you guys to do around your table is a little cause and effect exercise, okay? And I'm gonna give you a prompt. You're all gonna be working with the same prompt. What happens next? What happens next? What happens next? Okay, and if you give them out some cookie, I think it was like 12 steps. You don't have to come up with 12 steps, but I don't want you to come up with 42 steps. Is alcoholics anonymous? <laughs> no. 12 step program. No, you don't, no, it's not, no. Anyway, no, we're not going there today. But so I want to I want to see, okay, from the prompt that I give you in just a second. This you do this, and that's gonna bring about this, and that could bring about this, that could bring about this. It could be all over the map, okay? Probably I don't know five or ten minutes. We'll see how long it how long it takes. But I want you to see how far, how many steps you could take. And even you get a bonus if you bring it back to the original prompt. Like if you give them lots of cookie, okay? So, but you can't do it in like three steps, okay? You gotta have at least, well, I'm just gonna let you go. But, <clears throat> okay? But well, I wanna hear how many steps you came up with. And then if you were able to bring it back to the original circle. So you ready? You understand? Okay. The prompt is 
if you open a Netflix account, okay? So, so at, your, at your table, that's your, that's your problem. Not if you give them out the cookie, but if, if you open up a Netflix account. Go.
how many uh, just how many steps do you have in your process so far? This 13. 10? 13. 13, there you go. 10. 16. 16. 19. 19. 9. 9. Okay. So how many have you brought it brought it full circle? Okay. Okay. So I'm very just okay, we gotta hear from the 19. <laughs> let's let's someone stand up and let's hear the cause and effect. So if you open a network account, then you have to create your passwords too. And then once you create your password, you have to spend some time scrolling to figure out what you like. Then once you spend some time scrolling, you start a movie or a show, and once you start the show, you realize you don't really like it, so you go back to scrolling. Um, and then you're scrolling for so long that you fall asleep on Uh, you don't sleep good, so you're, you wake up late, and then you're late for work because you woke up late, and then because you're late for work, you skip your morning devotions, and then by the time you get to work, your boss is angry because you're late, and so he yells at you, and then you have a terrible day because your boss yells at you and you skipped your devotions, so you, go, you decide to hang out with a friend after work to de-stress, and um, you decide that once you're at your friend, you're going to watch a movie, so you share your password, and then you watch a show, and then your friend continues to use your Netflix, and then because your friend is using your Netflix, you now have too many screens, so Netflix gets mad and shuts you down, and uh, because they're yelling at you, you get frustrated with Netflix, and uh, decide to uh, quit your Netflix because you got frustrated, and then once you've quit your Netflix, you decide to get Hulu. Um, <laughs> show on Netflix that sounds really interesting, so you decide to get Netflix. Oh, but a Netflix is good. Okay, good, good job, good job. Okay, who, who else would like to? <laughs> Christopher. Okay. So, if you open a Netflix account, you have to upgrade your bandwidth with Comcast, which you're going to have a higher monthly bill. And since you have a higher monthly bill, have to get a second job. <laughs> and if you get a second job, you're going to be staying up later because you're going to be watching Netflix. Well, when you stay up later, you're going to end up losing both of your jobs. <laughs> so after losing both of your jobs, you're going to have less food and other stuff around your apartment. Well, with that, you're going to get sick. Now, if you get sick, you're going to end up in the hospital. And you're not going to be able to pay your bills and stuff in the hospital, so you're going to lose your apartment and car. So after that, you're going to end up in a homeless shelter. <laughs> so when you're in a homeless shelter, your family's going to find you there and you're going to start mooching start moving off your family, you're going to move in with your grandparents, and they're not going to have a Netflix account, so then you're going to open a Netflix account with them. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Okay. So one, one more. How, how about the, how about the nine-step group? So, okay, thanks for doing that. That was that was good. Um, the, the the steps that are that are involved in that. <clears throat>
you personally open up an Netflix account. It doesn't take too many steps. Sometimes it's seven or eight, <laughs> Some, but it doesn't take long for the effect from that cause, open a Netflix account, to impact someone else. There's someone else brought into the brought into the mix, whether it's someone sharing your password or it's um, losing your job because your boss fussed at you or somebody. It, it doesn't take long before the effects of that cause to go beyond, rather, um, doesn't take eight or nine steps, takes just two or three. <clears throat> but it just, it, that's the point, it doesn't take very long for those steps, for those causes to affect someone besides just yourself. Where we are in, the, in, in our lesson series, you know, we're following along with the, the reading through the Bible plan and um, where we find ourselves in the Bible plan. If you were here last week, you know, Dave was talking about um, uh, David, King David in 2 Samuel and his sin with Bathsheba and, and Uriah the Hittite, her husband. And uh, we're on the, we find ourselves just on the heels of that in the reading plan. <clears throat> relative to David and Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite in 2 Samuel 12. So go ahead, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to, turn to that, that portion of 2 Samuel. And we're going to be kind of doing a high-level view through quite a few chapters here. Um, but we're kind of starting off, starting off right there. But if you remember from last week, um, David sinned with Bathsheba in adultery. And then uh, uh, with murder with, with her husband, Uriah, Uriah the Hittite. Um, one thing that, that really um, you don't think about, but it was you know, the time that passed between the time of the sin and the time that Nathan was called by God to rebuke David in his sin. I mean, you think about it, you know, the baby was already, was already born. The son had already been delivered. So it could have been as much as a year after the sin before Nathan rebuked David, before he confronted David with his sin. So David had been, he had been hiding this sin, maybe even thought he had gotten, he had gotten away with it. But then, as you will again remember, I'm sure from last week, from this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 12, um, starting in verse 9, Nathan is saying, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and have taken his wife to be your taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord: Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of his, of his son. For you did, you did it in secret. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless. Because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who was born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. So how is that a cause and effect? <clears throat> there are consequences 
to David's sin that are just that are kind of listed here. One specific with the child that will die, but others are kind of kind of general. But they come they they're fulfilled rather rather quickly in David's life, and they extend well beyond this this time and even into into uh, future generations. But there are consequences to David's sin, and there are consequences to to our to our sin. Psalm 51 and, and Psalm 32. I think you guys we weren't here last week. I'm sorry, but I think you all looked at maybe those two psalms last week, and it's a beautiful testament. These are beautiful testaments to God's grace and forgiveness in in David's confession and him just casting himself on the on the mercy of the on the mercy of the Lord. <clears throat> but there there's some kind of some stinking thinking in in the in the church today that that it can be a wrong thinking about God's grace that if we simply confess our sin and claim God's forgiveness that the consequences of our sin are just whisked away that we're on easy street now that we've confessed and eh, I'm forgiven I'm good no consequences but forgiveness does not mean that sin will have no further consequence. Chuck Swindoll, in his commentary on this, uh, this passage of Scripture, he says this, Grace means that God, in forgiving you, does not kill you. Grace means that God, in forgiving you, gives you the strength to endure the consequences. Grace frees us so that we can obey our Lord. It does not mean sin's consequences are automatically removed. If I sin, and in the process of sinning, break my arm, when I find forgiveness from sin, I still have a broken bone to deal with. So the chapters in 2 Samuel following this, this, uh, this passage in chapter 12, following Nathan's rebuke, show the, the, the ugly consequences of sin and the ripple effect that it can have on the on the individual, on their family and their loved ones, um, and on entire entire communities. I'm so I'm so thankful that Scripture doesn't sugarcoat things. That it it does present the the ugliness of sin, and even even thankful that it doesn't gloss over the faults and the frailty. Of, of those that we look at as, as heroes, heroes of our faith. Because we learn in these um, narratives, and it, we see clearly, we learn about God's character and how, one, how seriously he views sin and how he desires that we live holy lives. We live in his, his holiness. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12 um, verse 3 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines 
the one he loves, and chastised every son whom he receives. And then verse 10, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we get we get to see God's character on display in these in these in these passages. How how many in here have are on the reading plan and actually are reading through through Second Samuel? Okay, a number of us, at least at least at each pretty much at each table. But in this, you know, it, the events that, that that come up after Nathan's rebuke, we see some of these these consequences come to bear in. David's life, and they don't just impact David, they impact the whole nation of, of Israel. Um, <clears throat> but through these passages, we get to see God's character on display, and how David responds, and how we should respond when we fall short in our, in our own sin. We get to experience his grace, his love, his forgiveness, and his patience. And we'll find also opportunities to share those same things, God's grace, his love, his forgiveness, and his patience with others who have caused us harm. So in, in, in discussing kind of the, you know, the ripple effect, the cause and effect, the ripple effect of David's, of David's sin, um, who can, who can just, who's in the reading plan maybe, or you're familiar with this passage of scripture, in these following chapters, what are some of the, the, the ripple effects of David's sin, the effects of you know, what has come about, or what David has, has done? What are some of the ripple effects? The consequences of David's sin. Yeah. Absolutely, Absalom's, Absalom's, well, it, let's kind of maybe list them in order. And I've, the first, you know, the loss of a child, the, the, his son, his son dies, okay? And who does, who does that impact? Not just David, not just the child. Bathsheba. Think about what this lady is going through um, and the sin that has impacted her life. She's lost her, lost her husband, has been assaulted. Um, uh, is has lost her her son, so just the <clears throat> the ripple effect. Um, and w what brought about Absalom's his downward trajectory? Yeah. So David's David's son Amnon rapes his half sister Tamar. Which is Absalom's sister, okay? So there's a there's a ripple effect, and who, you know, the model he had, David, you know, he anyway, sexual sin and whatnot. But um, so what happens as a result of Amnon raping Tamar? What happens to him? Absalom kills Amnon. Okay, so brothers hate each other, 
Absalom decides he's going to do away with, with Amnon, okay? But you see the ripple effect of, 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 of sin. Amnon uh, and Tamar, um, Absalom hating his brother Amnon, killing, killing his brother. That leads you know, to murder. So there's actually reflective of both of David's sins, um, adultery and murder. In chapter, from chapter 13. <clears throat> and then, Josh, as you said, Absalom rebels and plans a revolt in chapter 14 against his father, the king. And then Absalom, the, the revolt gains steam, and Absalom leads a conspiracy and actually seeks his father's, his father's life in chapter 15. And then what happens, what happens to Absalom? Yeah, his hair. Isn't his hair, isn't that wild? You ever do the conversion and see how much hair Absalom had? <laughs> he cut his hair once a year, and it was a full five pounds of hair once a year. Do the, do the conversion. That's, a, that's not the lesson, though. That's just a... But yeah, he, 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 was, he was killed. He was hung up in a tree, and his hair, and his... his, his what he was prideful about caught, helped cause his downfall. But uh, yeah, Joab, one of David's generals, kills, kills, kills Absalom. So Pastor, Pastor Nathan, and, and these are not all the ripple effects. This is just some of the main ones that we find in this passage of 2 Samuel. But there's, there's um, it, it, it continues, as, you know, as, as, uh, as Nathan had said, Back in chapter 12, now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house. Generations will come after David, and the sword doesn't, doesn't depart from, from the, the, the house of David. Um, it, it continues on past even David's, David's lifetime consequences of his of his sin. Sin that you were involved in. And I'm thinking about the sin I was involved in. And that, that time after, before maybe it was revealed, and you're just stewing. God is, you know, working on your conscience and you're stewing in this in this sin. And then you finally found out and just the the the, the ripple effect is never is isolated to just the individual. It always impacts those around us, um, our communities, our, our, our families. The, the, the sin can be done in secret and private, but the impact, the consequences are felt all around us. Pastor Nathan um, has a fantastic weekly podcast that comes out every Tuesday, each episode. And what he's doing, he, he and Mike Cropper are walking through the, the scripture reading, and every Tuesday he drops a podcast that that talks about the, some of the passages that we've been in the, in the previous week. I strongly encourage you to do it, um, even if you're not doing the reading plan, but especially if you're on the reading plan, listen to it every Tuesday. It's called Focused on, on Christ. Um, and in this past week, he actually talked, he and Mike talked about this, this, this portion of Scripture. But I encourage you, to, encourage you to listen to it. And there's a few things I just want to bring out from, 
from, from that podcast, some things that, Jeff, that Nathan had said. Um, he, he's focusing on not just the consequences of David's sin, but David's response to the consequences. And one thing that he said that just, just rings so true, <clears throat> consequences and how we react to them proves out the genuineness of our repentance. There's no question David was genuine in his, in his repentance. And we see in, in Psalm 51, Psalm 32, his heart was broken for his, by his own, his own sin against, against God. Um, his repentance was real. But it's not just the words he said. It's the actions, the, the response that he is recorded in the scripture to those consequences. Okay? Um, he, Nathan gives a great example. He said if, his, if he told his son to mow the grass and he gets home and grass is not mowed, and he, told, he tells him, um, uh, it's okay, I forgive you, no problem. What has been, what has been accomplished? Nothing, okay? Um, the child hasn't learned anything, and there's no, no consequences to the, to the sin of disobedience. But if he, he comes home and said, okay, the grass is not mowed, he said, well, okay, well, here's, here's the consequence, because you didn't mow our lawn, our lawn like I asked you to. You're also going to have to mow the neighbor's lawn. Okay, what's the child's response to that, to that consequence of sin? If he says, oh man, that's no fair. I, all I should have to do is mow my own, mow our, you know, grass. Okay, that's a, definitely evidence that he hasn't repented, okay? There's, there's no genuine repentance in that. But if he says, yes, Dad, you know, I don't like mowing grass, but... What I did was wrong, and yes, I understand why I'm having why I'm having to go through this. So I accept this as a consequence of my of my sin. You're you're right, Dad. <clears throat> so I wanted to look in the time we have left in um, and said if you can put those scripture references up on the up on the screen. I want us to look at just these three or four passages. Okay, and again, David, this is subsequent to Nathan's rebuke of David and what happened, the consequences. You look at it, I've called it kind of David's downward spiral, but it's, it's so much more than that. But I want to look at these passages, and I want you to see what the passage says about David's heart and his response to the consequences that are putting him in this in these situations. So the first one, uh, let's turn to 2 Samuel 13, 38 and 39. This is an easy one, but I want you to, at your table, or shout it out, um, what does this say about David's, about David's heart? And the, the context is, this is after Absalom has murdered his brother. Absalom flees. He takes off. He's, he's out of town. Okay? So in verse chapter 13, 38 and 39, what does this say about, about David's heart? Longing. Pardon? Longing. He longs for Absalom. Yeah. 
David is aware of exactly what happened. He knew why Absalom killed his brother. He wasn't happy about it at all. But he, even in the midst of it, um, you know, naturally, someone would want to say, I can't wait to get my hands on that guy. Look what he did. He killed my, you know, killed my other son. He thinks he's justified, but he, he longs. Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom. He was longing for his son. His, his love for his son was still was still there, even, even in the midst of his son's sin against, against his family. So the second one, 2 Samuel 15, 24 to 26. This is after Absalom's conspiracy against the king. Okay? He's, he's, he's coming, back to the, coming back to the capital, back to, back to Jerusalem to overtake David's, David's kingdom. So, in early in chapter 15, Verse 13, a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Then David said to all of his servants who are with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly and bring down ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. So go down to verses 24 through 26. And what does it say? Someone tell me what it, what it says. Read the passage and then tell me what it says about David's, David's heart. This is as, as the nation, as David and his allies are fleeing the city of Jerusalem. Take it back. 
I'm not going to use it for my own personal for my own personal gain. If God finds favor in me, if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, He will bring me back and let me see this. So I'm not going to take it with me just for my own personal gain. Okay. Um, he's putting he's throwing himself on the mercy on the mercy of, of the Lord again. Second um, Samuel 16, 5 through 12. Okay, this is again when as David is, is, is fleeing Jerusalem, he's outside the city. <clears throat> I'll just read it. When King David came to Baram, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah. And as he came, he cursed continually, and he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. What, what he's doing to the king, this is punishable by, by death, okay? This is not something you do to the, to the king, okay? Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing me because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more may this Benjaminite <clears throat> seek my life? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me for good with his cursing today. So David, again, is throwing himself on, on the mercy of God. I, I deserve, I deserve this sin. He's, he's, he's submissive to God's judgment. God sent this Benjaminite to curse me. He's submitting to the judgment, to the judgment of God. And then there's a bonus over in chapter 19 when it talks about David forgiving his adversaries. He forgives Shimei of doing this, this very thing. And then the last one in chapter, chapter 18, <clears throat> verse 32 and 33. Absalom, we talked about, was killed by Joab and his and his his band. Um, David is they're wanting to get word to David about how the battle is going, so they send these messengers back. And David's first question to the messengers is, "How's how's my son Absalom? How how's he doing?" Before he asks about how the battle is going, "How's my son? How's he doing?" Think about what Absalom has done to David and the sin he has committed against David. This conspiracy and seeking his own life. David's first concern is, how is how is Absalom my son? So in 32 and 33, in chapter 18, they finally tell him that Absalom is is dead, and the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. 
And as he went, he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It's a beautiful picture of David's heart and the grace that he is extending to, to Absalom, the love that he feels for his son, Absalom, in spite of what Absalom had done, done to him. The love, and this is a, notes from, from Pastor Nathan's podcast, the love that David was showing Absalom is reflective of the love that God showed David back in Nathan's, back in Nathan's rebuke. David's sin against Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite were both punishable by death. Sin. <clears throat> David is basically saying, if God treated me this way, he showed me grace. How could I treat my son any differently? God forgave me all of this. How could I not forgive Absalom? You see a true heart touched by grace, and the heart touched by grace is willing to give grace. A heart that is not touched by grace demands vindication and rights, and that's not what we see in David's response to the, to the consequences. So it's a beautiful foreshadowing also, David is a predecessor of the Messiah through David's, through David's line. Many, many generations later, our, our Savior Jesus Christ is born. And we keep getting these foreshadowed glimpses of, of, of Christ. And of a, again, I'm, I'm quoting Pastor Nathan. And if a, if a fallen man like David can demonstrate such compassion and grace, and that statement about Absalom comes across as amazing to us. What can a perfect, sinless, sacrificial love do? It all points us to the person, the person of Jesus Christ. So when we think about God's grace and mercy and how it's affected your life and what God has forgiven, has forgiven you, the grace and mercy that he's shown to you, his patience and his forgiveness, if, if you are in Christ, then the same thing that Nathan told, told David, the same thing that God told Nathan, if you are in Christ, God is basically saying to you, your sins are forgiven. I have put your sins behind you. You, you, will, not, you will not die because my son has taken penalty for your sins on himself. He's borne the penalty of your sin by dying himself on the cross in order to put away your sin. So as we're, as we're thinking about the grace that God has, God has shown us, that's the beautiful thing about these passages is it's a, it's a glimpse of God's forgiveness and his grace in our own life, in David's life, but in our own life as well. David experiences grace from God and how he extended this grace to his most desperate enemies. That same grace that he was shown, he reflected to, he reflected to others. So where is it in our life that we need to be more sensitive to the grace that we have received ourselves? And are we, in fact, extending that same grace to others when it's not deserved? David didn't deserve anything. He confessed his he confessed his sin. He had a truly repentant heart, and his response was after the heart of after the heart of God. 
How do we respond when to the consequences of our own sins? Do we feel like it's not fair? We deserve better? Or are we saying, are we humble? Are we casting our feet at the, or ourselves at the feet of Christ and his mercy? And Lord, how do I respond in the same grace that you've shown me to others who've sinned against me? So, okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your word and just the, um, the story of David. And Lord, he was... He had his faults, Father. He was he was uh, he was frail in his own his own sin, Lord. But um, Lord, he was a man after Your own heart, and we see that displayed uh, not just before his his time with his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, but well after, Father. We see his response to the the consequences of his sin, and uh, Lord, may we also um, examine our own lives, Father, and just really you the grace that you've extended to each one of us and extend that same grace to, to others lord and to uh, to learn from the, um, the consequences of our own sin in our lives and uh, father we thank you for your love we thank you for your forgiveness we thank you for your patience with us we thank you for your discipline because we know you discipline those that you love father help us to learn and to pursue hard after you and uh, father thank you Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.